Hey, if you've got a, a Bible on you, uh, why don't you go to Ephesians chapter 5 and otherwise just trust me that I am telling you the truth. There are no screens. I apologize for that. Next time we meet here, we're going to uh, sort out some kind of media solution. But uh, Ephesians 5, and just put your finger in there for a little bit. We are, we are starting a new message series this morning, so you've got to come back next week to get the rest of this. Uh, and what it's called is called Living on Purpose. Living on Purpose. And so you know what? Life, if it's not lived purposely, is lived by accident. Let me say that to you again. Life, if it is not lived purposely, is or will be lived by accident. And living by accident is no way to live, especially when it comes to the important areas of our life, like our family, our relationships, our our finances, our dreams and goals. And so we're going to be taking a close look at this over the next few weeks. Who knows how long this is going to take. So, But don't miss next week's messages. We're back uh, in town for that. The Bible says this in Ephesians 5. And again, I apologize for those uh, for a lack of a screen. It says this in verse 15 of Ephesians 5. Be very careful. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Another version says, pay careful attention to how you live. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what God wants you to do. Let me just pray. Father, I thank you for this moment we have. We thank you for your presence. God, that we're not just here entertaining ourselves, but Lord, you're here and that you have something to say. I pray that we'd have ears to hear, hearts to receive all that you want to say in this day in Jesus' name. Wow. We have, amen. We have, uh, we've got four children. Many of you know our, our, four, our four kids and uh, two of them are pre-teens. Uh, we have a, currently a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. Is that right? Uh, pre-teens. Uh, sometimes dads don't know the details, right? Just we know who, you know, we've got to tuck them in and stuff. But, but uh, with, uh, with uh, my younger two kids, and possibly not so much or to a lesser degree now than it was, but we, are, we were always dealing with uh, one of them getting hurt by their sibling, right? Like uh, we're always cleaning up a mess somewhere. And, uh, you know, there's, there's Milo that's been spilt all over the floor. Someone's been shot in the face by a Nerf gun. There's uh, there's ice block melting on the couch. One of them's been punched in the arm and they're, and they're, they're, they're screaming like it's been cut off. Can anyone relate to this? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm not alone. And, uh, and we do the right thing as parents, of course. We get them to apologize to each other or we get them to clean up their mess. We threaten them with their lives, you know, that kind of good parenting stuff. And and, but, but almost every time an accident like this happens, the perpetrator, whoever it may be out of the two of these ones, they have every time the exact same defense strategy. So it's like, Madison, why, why is Toby holding his face? You were right next to him. What have you done? Toby, why have you run over your sister on your bike again? Or guys, why is there jam all over the couch? Or who left the freezer open? Why did you leave your do- the dog to eat your dinner? But listen, without fail, every single time, the answer is always the same. The same response whenever this happens, it's this. 
I didn't mean to. Right? I, I didn't mean it wasn't on purpose. It was just an accident. Sound familiar to any parents here this way? I didn't mean to. It wasn't on purpose. It was, it was just an accident. I, I, I didn't mean to. It's amazing how many accidents happened in our house that weren't on purpose. That were, that were just, just kind of happened. It was just an accident. It wasn't intentional. How, how many, I don't know, Nerf bullets to the eye or feet trod on or glasses of milk spilt in the bedroom. They were just accidental. Nobody's fault. It wasn't, it wasn't on purpose. My, my daughter, Madison, and she is in kids' church, right? So I don't want this to em- embarrass her. And, but uh, she went through a period of about six months, uh, some years ago, of freezing and defrosting things. I don't know why. It was just something that she found an interest in. And so she would, for a period of time, keep putting different things in the freezer and taking them out uh, to defrost. Things like we found a snow globe in the freezer, which, by the way, when you defrost a snow globe, I think she thought it may start literally snowing. It just explodes, all right? Uh, she, she was putting her soft toys in the freezer, different food uh, items, just one of those weird things that uh, kids do. During this phase, uh, we were on holiday over the Christmas summer summertime, and we had rented a, a really nice house on the beach on the Cavity Coast, which we are originally from, and lovely house, didn't ever get to meet the owners or knew nothing about them. We did it all online, as you do. And inside this nice house, it had two stories. And on the top story was, was this open room, which housed two floor-to-ceiling glass cabinets that kind of faced each other on the outside walls. And inside these cabinets were all of these books and all sorts of uh, different uh, maps and compasses and different things, all related to the South Pole. Right, every, every single one. It was like a, a themed room all, all about the, the South Pole and Antarctica. Obviously, the owner must have been some kind of adventurer or Antarctic adventurer. It was kind of fascinating. And, and one day, unbeknown to us, while we were on holiday, Madison had begun again to undertake her freeze and defrost science experiments. And, uh, and of all the things that she had frozen overnight, uh, she decided to freeze a large potato. Again, I, don't, I have no idea why, but and we didn't know she was doing this. And I came across this experiment by surprise when it was in its defrosting stage. And so I don't know if you know the best place to defrost a large potato, where that may be. I, I would have thought it would be, it would be outside on the deck, right? <laughs> don't be silly. <laughs> I would have thought maybe in the sink, perhaps. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No, no. What about on, the, on a plate on the table? <laughs> nope. So uh, one morning, I'm upstairs kind of admiring the view and uh, enjoying a, maybe a cup of tea or something. I'm, I'm in the Antarctica room and just looking at all the stuff in these, in these cabinets and looking through what I assume was a, a locked glass cabinet, admiring all of these incredible, valuable, precious artifacts and marveling at this collection of what was obviously someone's lifetime passion and when through the glass door, something kind of catches my eye that's, that's out of place. There was this old compass that was sitting there. Then the next to that was this kind of a lantern or a torch of some kind. And next to that was this log book, this old log book that was laid open in pages. And it looked like it was, it was handwritten notes of maybe the owner's exploration of the South Pole. And then on top of these handwritten notes, inside this glass cabinet sat a large brown 
potato. Because that is apparently the best place to defrost a potato, right? Like, why not, right? And let me tell you, when a potato defrosts, it doesn't just kind of warm up. What it does, it oozes this thick brown liquid. Fortunately, we were able to clean everything up and get rid of uh, the, the kind of the brown puddle. And if for some reason the owner is listening to this podcast and you don't know who I am, but you're realizing, hang on a minute, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I think I cleaned the stain off good and well. And so, but you know, in the subsequent questioning of my daughter, Madison, why? Why of all the places to defrost a potato, of all, the diff- of all the options you had, you would put it here. Why would you do that? And she, she looks at me, and she was probably crying at this stage. I hope she was. And, and she looks at me, she says, Dad, I, I, I didn't mean to. It, it wasn't on purpose. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to. I'm thinking a lot about this phrase that I hear a lot at home. I, I didn't mean to. It, it, was, it was, I didn't do it on purpose. It was just an accident. It's amazing what we don't do on purpose. The things that happen in our, in our it's incredible how many things happen by, by accident. Take life, for, for example. Life, if we are not intentionally living it, will happen by accident. Someone once said, the greatest tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to really begin it. The tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to really begin it. We can spend a lot of our lives just, just living accidentally, going through the motions, kind of on autopilot, day in and day out, just kind of getting by life. You know, it's called surviving, right? Just kind of eking your way through life. And that is the way that most people live. And it's a sad state to be in because we are not, by and large, living as people of purpose or or as people with a purpose. We are living accidental lives or living for the mundane. But friend, I want to tell you that God has a purpose in mind for your life. He really does. In fact, He made you with a purpose in mind, and He wants you to discover it. He wants you to find out what that is. The the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, For we, you and I, and every other person, are God's masterpiece. And He has created us in you in Christ so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long, long ago. Amazing. I heard this story recently about a little girl and she goes to her mom, she's cooking in the kitchen and she asks her mom, mom, why do you cut off the ends of the meat when, when, when you cook it or before you cook it? And the girl's mom kind of thought about it for a second because she's already sort of always done this. And she goes, well, I think it's because you, you cut it off to allow the, the, the meat to stay tender because it soaks up the juices better. But maybe you should go and ask your grandmother because she's, she always did it this way and grandma's in the room and Little girl goes to her grandmother and she says, hey, grandma, why do you and mum cut the ends off the meat before you cook it? And the grandmother thinks about this for a little bit and she goes, well, I think it's to allow the, 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 the meat to stay tender because it soaks up the juice better. But why don't you go ask Nana in the living room because I learned it from her and she always did it that way. And so the little girl's getting a bit frustrated, but she goes to Nana and 
uh, and she climbs up on her lap and she says, Nana, why, why do you and mum, uh, why do you and grandma and mum cut the ends off the meat before you cook it? And her grandmother smiles and she said, oh, I'm not sure why they do it, but I do it because my pot wasn't big enough. And, <laughs> my, my point is, we will either live by design or by default. We just keep, keep kind of doing the things that we've always done because that's why how it was, always, it was always done, you know. We either live for the purpose that God designed us to or we live according to, I don't know, the demands of life, the expectations that other people put on us or the way we always live because that's just the way it was always, it's always been or how someone taught us or this is how it should be. Wouldn't it be amazing to discover and live out of your God-given purpose? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to be involved with the very things you were born to do, put on this earth for? Mark Twain, the, the great author, he, he once said this, the two greatest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found out what you were born for. Two greatest days, the day you were born. Wow, when you entered the world, the world is a better place, right? But also the second greatest day, was when you find out, when you discover what you were put on the earth for. So, so important that we find our purpose. And it's my prayer that every person in this room, anyone listening to this podcast later, would know that why they were put on the earth. Because you're not an accident. You're not just here to get by. You're not just here to kind of survive through things. But God is calling you to live free. He's calling you to have a life of fulfillment and to really make a difference in your world, wherever it is He has you. I want to help you this morning on that journey by encouraging you and the time that we've got left to do four, four things. Four things when it comes to living on purpose as just an introduction this morning. Let me give all of, all of them at once. Number one, discover God. Number two, decide what's important. Number three, define your purpose. And number four, do it. Yeah. Discover, decide, define, and do. They all start with D to help you remember. Number one, you've got to discover God. If you want to live purposely and live on purpose, you must discover the one who created you. Colossians 1 verse 16 says this, For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. And you will not find your true purpose until you find the one who created you, who designed you, who, love, who loves you. God is not some distant deity sitting out in, in the stratosphere somewhere disinterested or disengaged with your life but friends he is near he is close he is interested he wants to be engaged in your life he wants you to discover him and him to discover you and he wants to be known by you in fact he's so interested in your life and in your future that he sent his son jesus to the earth to stand in the gap between god's holiness and your sinfulness or my sinfulness so that we could have a relationship with this god this God who longs to be, to, be, to be known. The Bible calls this salvation and it's the act of surrendering your life to Christ, receiving this free gift of grace, this forgiveness, inviting Him into every aspect and making Him King and Lord of your life. When we discover God in this powerful way, and many people here have done that already, 
He begins to reveal his plan, reveal his purpose for, for your life. We'd love to give you an opportunity to, to know him shortly at the end of the service. But you've got to know him, number one. Discover God. Number two, you've got to decide what's important. You will have to, when it comes to living on purpose, decide what is important in your life. Because listen, your purpose will flow out of what you value. What is it that you value? What are your values? Every time that you and I make a decision in life, we are filtering those decisions through like a values grid. We all have values. We all will live to values. We don't always know what those values are. Some of them are even uh, uh, subconscious. But listen, your values will affect everything you do, and they will help you decide and dictate your actions. Where do we get our values from? They're usually formed by our environment, the things that take place around us, how we were raised, our parents. We form our values from our, our peers. We get our values from the media, social media, Facebook, from, from what we listen to and what we watch. But the Bible tells us that the values of the world, while they may be uh, unchanged and, if, and are well-known, things like pleasure and possessions and power, which are the values of a lot of people, they don't last. If you buy into the world's value system and pursue these things, you'll miss God's purpose many times for your life. Romans 12 verse 1 says, it says do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't follow the world's values. It's not going to get you anywhere deep, anywhere meaningful, any, anywhere with purpose. Listen, be transformed, it says, by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I don't know about you, but I want to align my life with this perfect, pleasing, and good will, this good purpose for my life. You've got to think about your values and where they are leading you. You know, pleasures don't last. They are short-lived, right? Possessions get old and rust, <laughs> You will lose the prestige that you may want for your the power that you may want for your life. You'll be, you'll be popular one day and not the next. King Solomon, uh, a man who has said from the Old Testament that he was the wisest in the world. He pursued all of these things, power, prestige, and possessions. And he came to this conclusion in Ecclesiastes 1.14. He says, I have seen all of the things that are done under the sun. Try them all. Had a go at everything, pursued all of these things. And he comes to this conclusion. It says, all of them are meaningless and chasing after the wind. It's kind of vanity. It doesn't, it hasn't got me anywhere. There's got to be something greater than this. We have to anchor ourselves in values that will last. Values that are not self-seeking, but values that will help serve others and make a difference. And that is when your life will really start to make sense because making a difference in your world, living beyond just yourself, is where you find real purpose. You've got to decide your values. Number three, you have to define your purpose. Discover God, decide your values, and define your purpose. I often hear people asking, sometimes even asking me, what am I supposed to do with my life? What is it that God wants to do in, 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 my, in my life? One of the best clues, I say, to your destiny is in your design. Sometimes we've got to look at ourselves to find out where it is He wants to take you. Your strengths, 
your giftings, your uniqueness, because listen, write this one down, your design will help reveal your destiny. Your design will help reveal your destiny. God has made you unique. And we are not interested in, in kind of making you conform to be all looking the same or acting the same, right? We want to release you in your uniqueness. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're real different. You're real unique, you know what I mean? Woo! Really special. The part of the difference that you will make on the earth is connected to who you already are. Who God has wired you, how He's cre created you. Nobody does you like you do you, right? You're just amazing at it. So be you. Do that well. The, the, who you are, your personality, your strengths, your giftings, your, 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 your character, they point towards the purpose, perhaps, that God has for you. Sign up for next steps if you've never done that before. As part of the classes, we get to have a look at how you are wired, how you are bent, how, how, your, how your giftings play out, what are your strengths in, in your life. We take a look at that. And, and there are leaders here who can, who can help speak into your life and bring out the goal that sometimes is locked in us. But, but you know, you were, you were put on this earth to make a contribution, not just to take up space, right? right. You're way more than just a space taker. You're the way maker. <laughs> anyway. You were put on this earth to leave it in a better place, to, to make some kind of contribution with your life because you're amazing and you're awesome and you've, you're, a, you're a masterpiece of God and he, he wants to put purpose into your life. And then lastly, you discovered God, you decided in your life what's important, you're defining your purpose. Number four, you've got to do it. Do it. Everyone say, do it. Do it. Just, just sounds weird. You've got to do it. Make it happen. Live out Live out of those values. Sometimes we've got to do a values check and as we start to put in action some purposeful living and eliminate things that do not matter in your life. I'm not talking about children or anything like that, right? But stop doing what's not important. And, there, you know, there are often three areas that we kind of reflect our values. Usually it's our time, our money, and our relationships. And these are three areas that we're going to look at in this Living on Purpose series. Take a look at those three areas, your time, your money, and your relationships. What are you spending your time on? We all have the same amount of time, 168 hours, apparently. Anyone want to correct me on that? Do the math, 24 times 7? I think that's right, Jacob. Anyway, what I'm saying is everyone, I don't know if that's right or not, I didn't just make it up, but everyone has the same amount of time, right? We all have the same amount of time. The difference between those who really make their lives count and those who don't is what we do with the time that we have. Yeah. What are we spending our money on? Our wallet will always reveal what's important to us. We're always buying milk. Like we're just always buying milk. I'm always going to get more milk anyway. What are you spending your money on and your relationships? Who, who do you run with? You know, what's important to you in relationships, whether it's family or church, maybe your maybe you're unchurch, your friendship circle. Get alongside people who will help you live on purpose and make the most of every moment. Live purposely. Live purposely. I'm going to finish with this story. We're almost out of time and maybe the band could come. That'd be That'd be great. I don't know if this 
story is uh, appropriate or not, but I'm just going to say it anyway and apologize later. <laughs> Do that sometimes. But uh, a young soldier and his commanding officer are one day on board a train heading through the mountains. You may have heard this story before. They can't find anywhere to sit on this train except for two seats directly opposite an elderly grandmother and a beautiful young woman. And after a while, it's, it's obvious that the young woman and the young soldier, they, there's some chemistry there. They could be interested in each other. They keep staring at each other. And the, soul, uh, the commanding officer sort of notices, and, and so does the grandmother. And soon the train passes into a long tunnel, and it suddenly goes pitch black. And in the dark, in this tunnel, is this unmistakable sound of a kiss. And then the unmistakable sound of a slap in the dark. When the train emerges from the tunnel, the four sit there without saying a word. Nobody kind of knows what's going on. And the grandmother, she's thinking to herself, Oh, it was very brash of that young man to kiss my granddaughter. But I'm glad she slapped him in the face. The commanding officer is sitting there thinking, I don't, didn't know that young lad was brave enough to kiss that girl, but I'm sure wish she hadn't missed him when she slapped me and, and hit me. The young woman is sitting there thinking, well, I'm glad he kissed me, but I wish my grandmother hadn't slapped him. <laughs> and the young soldier is sitting there with a satisfied smile on his face, and he's thinking, wow, life is great. How often does a guy have the chance to kiss a beautiful girl and then slap his commanding officer in the face <laughs> in one day? It's a terrible joke, and I apologize. But listen, my point my point is this pay careful attention make the most out of every opportunity what's god put in your hands to do don't act thoughtlessly right don't do that don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the lord wants you to do and live your life with purpose why don't we bow our heads for just a moment as i pray father i thank you i thank you that you're a purposeful god i thank you jesus that your life was lived intentionally. You know, there's a little prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17 where he prays to the Father at coming to the end of his ministry on earth. And he says to the Father, I have done everything that you have asked of me. I've completed it. We read about the Apostle Paul. He says, I've finished the race. You know, the Bible is full of people who are living purposely, not living by accident, not living unintentionally, but living on purpose. And God, I thank you that you are calling us to live on purpose, not to live by accident. And God, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would help us even right now to get to the bottom of some things. God, if it's that we haven't got this relationship with you to connect with the Creator to find where our purpose comes from. I pray today we would take that step. If there are some values in our life that we need to decide upon, if we need some things defining about what we're spending our time on, the things we're looking at or listening to, the voices in our life, if there are people that we need to disengage from and others who we need to engage into, I pray for your help with that but I thank you for your promise 
that God, when we find your purpose, we also find fulfillment. We also find this abundant life that Jesus, you promised to give us when we know you. So I pray over every person in this room right now, God, let us live a purpose-driven life, a purpose-filled life. And any areas where we're realizing perhaps as we do a bit of a stock take, even in this moment where, man, I'm living accidentally in that area. I'm living purposefully in this, but man, my finances, I'm just living by accident. I'm not living on purpose at all. I'm not stewarding my finances. I'm just allowing my money to rule me. I'm just allowing it to control me. And I need to get that purposeful. Help us, God. If there are relationships that we are allowing, we're just doing life by accident with others, help us to get intentional in those areas. And with our time, God, we thank you that you are the God of purpose and that you help us have purpose in every area and that you do it for us. In Jesus' name. Just while every head is bowed and eyes closed.